You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Big Show Hour 4 rolling on. I'm Patrick Dumas. Got Alex Brody along with me as well. Uh, we're in the Glacy Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. We are all things we are all things basementy. Visit DL Basement Systems Calgary.com. We go around the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, and we're joined by the host of Winnipeg Sports Talk, Andrew Hustler Patterson. Huss, how are we doing today, buddy? Hey, good, Patrick. Thanks for having me. What's going on? Oh, thank you for joining me. Oh, it's a little chilly out here, but uh, you know we're, we're not going to get the snow that was supposed to come. I know you guys are going to get hit here pretty good. Yeah, we all, uh, nothing like waking up to that Friday Ooh. morning environment, Canada special weather statement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang, Colorado Clippers. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah go ahead i was just gonna say trust me the weather is the least of winnipeggers worries yeah, right I, now, I, I, the, the jets have been playing as of late <laughs> yeah i was gonna say let's let's get right into the jets here uh what did you make of rick bonus's comments following monday's or rather rather tuesday's loss to minnesota i felt that's a guy that's trying to steer this ship that's kind of sinking and whatnot, but he's doing it in the most positive, friendly type of way. What do you make of Rick Bonus's comments there after that game? Yeah, well, I mean, listen, the Jets have found a lot of ways to lose as of late, and that game on Wednesday against the Minnesota Wild was not through lack of effort. Mm-hmm. I mean, the team came to play. They played with the sort of urgency that their situation speaks to right now. Um, and it just didn't happen for them. Um, but listen, they found a lot of ways to lose, but you know, having Connor Hellebuck have his worst game probably of the season is not one yeah. that's been um, heavily hit on the bingo card, if you will. So mm-hmm. I think Rick had to really lean on the fact that they didn't get the results, but if they play that way, they'll win more often than they lose. What's problematic is the Jets are going on one of their toughest road mm-hmm. trips of the entire year right now, just at a time when Calgary gets a few of the uh, more uh, welcoming teams on their schedule. So there's a real sense of urgency right now with this team. But I think the way they played against Minnesota is a start. But um, listen, everything good that they did in the first half has yeah. sort of been wasted over the course of this last six weeks. And now they are in an absolute dogfight to hang on to a playoff position that they've been in all year. Yeah, it's, uh, two, six, and two in their last 10. And if you, you you just go on Twitter, I think it was, uh, you go to Mike McIntyre, or any, any of the Jets writers in those replies, the world's crumbling for Jets fans. What are your observations? It's probably the, the group hasn't been the same, I would think, since the All-Star break. What have you been your observations since then as to see why this downturn in play? To be honest with you, it actually dates a couple weeks before. Okay. Um, you know, the Jets had somehow managed to keep their heads above water throughout all of December and early January. Mm-hmm. Missing Nikolai Ehlers, mm-hmm. missing Blake Wheeler, Nate Schmidt was out as well, Mason Appleton was out. And, you know, they um, they played incredibly well. They had guys step up that aren't normally in the lineup, and, you know, they, they maintained their position. I think the the feeling was sort of, oh, great, these guys are coming back, and now, you know, it's going to be smooth sailing, and it's been just the opposite. Um, they had a couple really rough games going into the All-Star break, and then there was a game, a Monday night game against St. Louis, where the Jets were down 2 nothing going into the third period, and Josh Morrissey, who's been the Jets' best player all season long, really sort of put the team on his back in a memorable night and got the crowd going, and 
And then, of course, they went on a break for 11 days and came back with Chicago wins over Chicago and Seattle. But Mm -hmm. after that point, um, you know, it has really been, first of all, there's been some long, long streaks of uh, lack of scoring in the bottom six. And that's not good. But when combined with a real funk for some of your top players, um, you can't if you don't score goals, you don't win in the National Hockey League, and they just have not been scoring enough goals. And you know, like the game on Wednesday night was a bit of a microcosm of you know a few players being snake bit. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the team trying to get a little too pretty and get that perfect spot, and that's what they've been trying to move away from. But it's uh, I mean, I think if you look back at the start of the year and said, hey. Jets fans, mm-hmm. you're going to be four points up in a playoff spot at this point with the final 20 games. <laughs> they probably would have taken it from oh, yeah. the original expectations, but it's a lot different when you're in first place for a better part of the first half of the year, or at least comfortably in the top two. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that have been kind of conspiring mm-hmm. for this spiral that the Jets have been in at right now. And they got to find a way to get some points in the standings right now, or we could be talking about a team that's out of a playoff spot by next week, considering yeah. they're going to Florida, Tampa, Carolina, and then come home <laughs> to welcome in the Boston yeah. Bruins next Thursday. Yeah, uh, we know we know a guy like Connor Hellebuck. Uh, he, I think Jets fans know that they've maybe taken him for granted here over the last six, seven years or so, as long as he's been a full-timer NHLer. Twice in a span of... Uh, probably going back to that Colorado game at the uh, February 24th. And then, you know, like the Bronx cheers, like that's not something that, you know, Hellebuck's not used to that. That's a guy that's, you know, one of the best goalies in the world. What have you seen with his game? Is there something different in his down? I know he dealt with some sickness there and whatnot, but is there any sense of anything different in Hellebuck's game? Cause I think, you know, I, I, I was not a fan of the Bronx cheers for sure. No, it was a joke, yeah. uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm still choked about it. Yeah. Um, and listen, I mean, when you have a couple bad, bad goals go in that way early on in the game that put you down in an important game, I get people react differently, but <laughs> any of those people doing that, I think, are sort of out to lunch <laughs> yeah. when they really start thinking about just how important this guy's been to any success the Jets have had during the time he's been the starting goaltender. Um as far as those games, yeah. I mean, the, the Colorado game, I won't even hang that on Hellebuck at all. I mean, mm-hmm. the Jets were completely fast asleep at the start of the game. I mean, Nate McKinnon scored yep. on a breakaway 19 <laughs> seconds in. Um, you know, the, the, the team let him down there. That wasn't the case, though, on, in Minnesota. Um, yeah. Or, sorry, against Minnesota in Winnipeg the other day. I mean, the first goal was a, a wrister from Ryan Hartman that he saves pretty much every time and then the third goal was the backbreaker yeah. um just an absolutely inexcusable goal he'd be the first one to tell you and then you know unfortunately once in a while when something like that happens you just have a little dump pen or whatever that goes on and it gives some fans the opportunity maybe to uh to give that proverbial Bronx cheer. All I'll say about this is Hellebuck has shown over and over again that he'll bounce back from a poor performance Connor Hellebuck is the least of Winnipeg Jets yeah. fans' worries right now. Um, however, when you think about this year and how it's gone, the fact that Jacob Markstrom stands on his head for a 40-save shutout against Minnesota, and the next night the Jets thoroughly outplay them for 60 minutes, and it's their all-star goalie that sort of lets them down, 
um, it kind of speaks to where they're at right now. That being said, um, Hellebuck was absolutely brilliant for the majority of the season. He continues to be one of the best in the league. That's mm-hmm. not the guy they're worried about going on this road trip. It's uh, it's getting the run support and the uh, the goals that come along with maybe bailing out a top player like that when he does have an off night. And the Jets weren't able to do it. What is happening with the scoring? This is a team that relies a lot on their centers to do a lot of the heavy lifting here. That's it's they depended on Pierre Luc Dubois, but he's out right now. Shifley to get the goals. Connor can chip in obviously with his his goal scoring prowess, but. It's other guys, you know. You know, Nick Ehlers isn't having the greatest of times with the pocket luck right now. Like, is there something else that's happening with the wingers? I know they added in Domestikov and Niederreiter to help out the scoring depth, but they need even more from those wingers. Well, the funny thing is, you mentioned Niederreiter. I mean, he's been yeah, unbelievable. He's been great, and I think that for all the for all the criticism that Chevaldeaf got for not being more active, mm-hmm. the two deals that they made have actually worked out really well. Yeah. Niederreiter scored in his last couple of games. He's been really, really good. I mean, he's been effective. Um, I, I, I shouldn't say he's been effective in the power play because the power play is killing them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the power play is sort of a good example of what's not happening with this top six. There's just a bit of a lack of confidence right now. Certainly the crispness, the decision-making that you expect from elite players in the league hasn't been up to the standard that they set earlier on. And Rick Bowdoin has had a tough time finding, you know, mixing around the deck chairs on that top six to get lines that are really clicking right now. You mentioned Nikolai Ehlers. He missed uh, basically yeah. half the season um, and had that, that um, surgery, which, uh, listen, he's come back and has looked really good at times and I thought had a real burst on Wednesday. But he has not been... Um, he hasn't been as dangerous as he has been game after game after game. We saw glimpses of that on Wednesday. So from a Jets perspective, hopefully that is the, that is the case. Um, and then Kyle Connor's in a funk. I don't really know whether any other way to say it. He, uh, he hasn't been getting the looks that he normally has. Mm-hmm. He's been passing off some opportunities that he normally would shoot. And um, combined with Mark Shifley having a few off games as well, it's just, it's all coming at the worst possible time for the Winnipeg Jets. And they really do have to figure out a way to, uh, to stem the tide. I mean, Blake Wheeler, you know, for a long time, we would have talked about him in those same, in that same category. I mean, Blake at his age just isn't the same player that he was. I mean, he can do a lot of things well and help his other players succeed, but he's not the game breaker that he was. So, I mean, you really look at a handful of guys, it's Shifley, it's Kyle Connor, it's Nikolai Ehlers, it's Pierre-Luc Dubois, who, of course, is injured again. He had a lower body injury heading into the San Jose game, played that, and now is apparently out with an upper body yeah. injury and didn't travel to start the trip. So someone's got to step up right now. Adam Lowry and Morgan Barron have been a lot better yep. as of late. Both of them went through lengthy, lengthy goal-scoring droughts. Um and the fourth line is sort of the fourth line. I mean, they haven't really got very much of that. They're hoping that they can kind of stay on even keel. But they know that the Calgary Flames are coming right now. They know the National Predators are still in the mix. But I really do think this is going to end up being somewhat of a two-horse race between Winnipeg and Calgary. And they know their situation. We're going to see what we get from this hockey club playing two very good teams in Florida back-to-back nights this weekend. Yeah, we'll get to that three-game road trip right now. Uh, you know, into the old Southeast Division. Getting away right now, the perfect time for this group, given the strength that they're going to be facing on this upcoming little three-game road trip. Is it going to be? It's a good measuring stick. Like, hey, 
Florida, they're fighting for their playoff lives as well. We know Tampa Bay's slumping right now, but they're still Tampa Bay, and Carolina's amongst the best in the league right now. Is this a good road trip for them to get things righted, or is it maybe just, this is not the best time to be taking on these three? Yeah, I mean, I think logic might say the latter, (laughs) considering (laughs) how hard they've had a time winning games. But I think there's something to what you're saying. Um, I think when you're in, you know, these mini crises during the season, there are some good things that you can build out of having really tough challenges and getting away from home ice. Now, if they go up for three, um, it won't really matter. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, you know, with the way that they play it on Wednesday night, if they can replicate that, get a little bit of goaltending, they'll be in these games. And I'll tell you what, if they can get a win or two over the course of these next three, I think that'll bode very, very well for coming back home to take on Boston Mm -hmm. and, you know, try to continue to put up some points. Because as I said, you know, with Calgary in the week that they've had with those back-to-back wins, uh, the proverbial objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. Um, they're right on the bumper right now. And uh, there's no time to work things out. Um, they got to go and get some wins. So I think getting away right now, especially playing against their old coach in Paul Maurice, yep. having that game first, I think probably, um, you know, you'd, it's probably good timing of that. And then see what happens in those other two games. But uh, as I say, I'm not sure there's ever a good time to go to Carolina <laughs> with the way they've played and handled the Jets over the course of this year. And yeah. that you see what you can get in Florida against two teams that are both going to be in ordinary moods when the Jets show up this weekend. Talking with Andrew Patterson, host of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, you can listen to him daily at uh, what Calgary time would be 10 to 1, I believe. Or I guess it would be noon, noon to 2. Or noon live to 2. On YouTube, noon to 2. I mean, you can... Check it out whenever. Yeah. Obviously, Winnipeg Sports Talks is on all the podcasting platforms, too, if you want to check in on uh, how we're freaking out here on the daily For sure. basis right now. <laughs> I wanted to park the jet conversation, going to a little uh, maybe NFL. I know you're the Residence Chief fan around here. Uh, the AFC power shift continues with it all but certain that Aaron Rodgers is going to be ending up with the Jets. What does that do for their chances in the conference, you think? Well... I mean, it's better than if Zach Wilson yeah, was a quarterback, I guess. <laughs> I, uh, better than Joe Flacco. <laughs> I mean, I still look at the AFC and the tiers of teams yeah. and quarterbacks. And obviously, there's the Chiefs and Mahomes and the Chargers with Herbert and Joey Burrow in Cincinnati. I mean, it is just so, so difficult to win without a QB. So, you know, if Rodgers can look like the guy that won the MVP a couple years ago... Mm-hmm. I think that really significantly changes the Jets' fortunes, at least out in the AFC East. I mean, I'll say this about the Jets. I thought their personnel and drafting has been awesome Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. I mean, they had the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Their defense is amongst the best in the league right now. On a one-year deal or on a one-year basis, I think right now Aaron Rodgers definitely makes them considerably better. I'm just not sure that the strength overall of the AFC mm-hmm. is open enough for another team to sort of barge in, but could they be a playoff team? I think absolutely. And then again, once you get in the playoffs with a guy with the resume and experience of Aaron Rodgers, I guess anything is, anything is possible. If I'm a Jets fan, I'm pretty fired about uh, pretty fired up about oh, yeah. a potential Rodgers ad because it was very clear last year that that team had a lot of talent 
but the quarterback mm-hmm. position was just absolutely holding them back. And you can't win without the no. quarterbacking in the NFL, especially in the AFC. Yeah, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, and Garrett Wilson doing a little peace offering, burning the cheese head. Uh, you know, they, they, they took it from Lambo during that game earlier this year. So they're, they're welcome, trying to get welcome Rogers back for sure. Uh, been a great couple last weeks here for Manitoba curling. Carrie Anderson's rank wins their fourth straight Scotties. Great run from Jennifer Jones with the new team as well. Now you got Matt Dunstone curling for Manitoba for the first time since he was a junior. Now back representing the province and the sheriff, man. He's undefeated and he's got the playoff spot. I've been watching the Briar and loving this Manitoba curling resurgence. I really have been. I really have <laughs> been. You know, it's um, we're so spoiled here um, when it comes to curling with the amount of uh, elite curlers that come out of this province. Oh, we yeah. often see some end up on other provinces um, just because of how tough it is to For get sure. out of um, the province when it comes to the Briar and the Scotties. But Matt Dunstone coming back has been maybe the story of the year. I mean, he put together that new team with a few familiar faces. And they have just been, I mean, not only, I mean, in these events, but I mean, on the World Curling Tour, been one of the teams to beat all season long. I'm not sure I had them going 8-0 through the round robin, but man, (laughs) they put themselves in a great position. And I think you can make an argument that even with the likes of Cooey and Brad Gushu, Ben Botcher, I mean, the the Dunstone team is the team to beat. Now, mm-hmm. listen, this is going to be a great, great weekend when you think about the matchups. We'll see who escapes from these afternoon um, page qualifier games yep. of uh, Alberta and Ontario and the Botcher wildcard rink in northern Ontario. I sort of thought that Dunstone would be able to make the final against Brad Gushu at the beginning, and I'm still thinking that that will be the case. But... Um, but yeah, no, we're in for like this is the great thing about the Briar. Once you get to this point, you mm-hmm. get through the round robin and some of the teams that are maybe just not the yeah. same class. Anybody can win in any of these games, but uh, a lot of excitement about the about the Dunstone rink, and of course Mike McEwen, yep. who was the Manitoba skip for so long, is playing with the former Manitoba and Ryan Fry representing Ontario as the home province, <laughs> and they've got their work cut out with them against Cooey later on. And as far as the women goes, I mean, Jennifer Jones, what can you say about her team? Um, you know, she teamed up with the old Manitoba junior champions. Mm-hmm. There were Zachariah sisters. They had a great, great run. But Carrie Anderson, when it comes to the Scotties, yeah. still the team to beat. And, uh, you know, they were celebrating women in sport at the game on, uh, yeah, that was awesome. on Wednesday. And uh, maybe one of the things that the fans were most happy about <laughs> on Wednesday night was welcoming uh the carrie anderson yeah she got the definitely they got the biggest cheer on wednesday for sure i think well and deservedly so they are um that's that's a special team a special group of women and everyone's excited to see what they can do representing canada the world and sweden coming up yeah man i cannot wait enjoy this weekend enjoy the briar uh hopefully uh you know dunstone can uh, bring one home from manitoba but uh just being around that's awesome and of course uh it's a big weekend for the Jets. I know April 5th, Flames-Jets at Canada Life Center is probably going to be a big one. <laughs> yeah, I think that one is already <laughs> circled on the calendar by most people, and Oof. I'm not sure we were doing that a month or two ago. Nope, not at all. But, uh, yeah, April 5th, Flames in Winnipeg for what could be for all the marbles to get into the Western Conference. Thank you, uh, Andrew, for all this, and uh, all the best uh, the rest of the week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Awesome, Patrick. Take care. Thank you. There you go. That's uh, it's Hustler, Andrew Hustler Patterson, uh, a host of Winnipeg Sports Talk. You can find them on YouTube doing all things Winnipeg sports. Uh, it's the only game in town right now in Winnipeg for sports talk, and uh, he's the best 
at it. And he joined us down the Atlas Pizza Sports Bar guest hotline using that same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. It is a Calgary Flames game day. They welcome the Anaheim Ducks to the Scotiabank Saddledome tonight at 7 o'clock puck drop. Uh, we'll be on the air at 6 o'clock with Flames warm-up. Pat Steinberg and Peter Labardius. Around the corner, we'll uh, we'll talk a little Anaheim Ducks with Annie O'Donnell, host of OD on Sports podcast. Uh, she'll join us next to talk all things Anaheim Ducks and what else is going on in the NHL. That's next as the big show continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Welcome back to the big show. Final segment of the week. And then it's the weekend. Thank you to Alex Brody for coming in here today. I know he's having some trouble with his teeth. You doing all right, Alex? Yeah, I got my emergency appointment booked. Oh, yeah. So they, they are concerned? Yeah, it's it sucks, but oh. it's progress. That's what I keep telling myself. How you get better, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just got to take the pain. <laughs> Uh, Anaheim Ducks uh, are the opponent tonight for the Calgary Flames. They're going to be at the school Bank Saddle. Home. 7 o'clock start right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan and uh, we go down the Atlas Beats and Sports Bar guest hotline to be talked to Annie O'Donnell, the host of OD on Sports. Uh, she all, covers all things Ducks as well. Annie, it's been a while. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Patrick. How about you? I'm doing awesome. Uh, can't complain. Weekend's almost here. Uh, before we get into the Ducks, uh, I want to talk about the NHL playoff race. I know you're you're big on the league as well. Uh, in the East, it's a murderer's row of competition. In the West, it's pretty wide open, even though if you listen around here, it's, it's Colorado and nobody wants to touch them. But uh, what have you made of the playoff races as we're getting down to the final three weeks of the season or so? Honestly, I, it's, what more could you ask for, first of all? No. Like, a, this is when it gets the most intense. This is when it gets the most fun. But it feels like the East has been tight since, like, December. So they've been fighting tooth and nail for just seeding and, you know, division titles and things like that, even though the Bruins have been, you know, the far and cry fan favorite since October, it feels like. But the West is pro- West could be interesting. Obviously, mm-hmm. Dallas is a really hot team right now that I absolutely – Listen, I'm going back to like the old Pacific Division <laughs> alignment where I still don't like the Dallas Stars. I also still fully believe that Brett Hulskate was, in fact, in the crease in 99. Damn so right. that cup should not speak to the <laughs> Dallas Stars. I digress, though. Unrelated. Um, you know, I'm, the Minnesota Wild were an early pick for me, obviously, with the Kirill injury. That's going to hurt them mm-hmm. for, you know, as far as seeding goes. But hopefully he's back in time for them to make that playoff push. We'd love to see them make somewhat of a run and not just make it to the first round there. But we're, it's, well, I mean, what more can you ask for? We're less than a month away until playoff time. And it's going to be down to the wire for a lot of these teams. And you think back to, what was it last year when Nashville, I think they were what seven, sixth or seventh seed. And then they dropped those last two games that one against the coyotes. And then they ended up getting the avalanche yeah. in the first round, which of course they got swept. <laughs> so every game counts to this point. People are, teams are fighting tooth and nail for points. And, and on the other side, you know, like, you know, being a Ducks fan, you know, teams are fighting tooth and nail for, for draft lottery <laughs> seating. So, you know, regardless of, of what side of the spectrum you're on, you know, every game kind of counts. So did be a wild ride. Well, let's talk about the your Anaheim Ducks right now. Uh, would, would you say things are going as planned right now with the way they want to be going about 9.5% chance right now at winning the lottery? But how have you taken in the Anaheim Ducks season so far up to this point? You know, I think 
there were a lot of high expect, maybe unrealistic expectations, especially given how great of a start they had last mm-hmm. season. Saying, okay, you know what? There's some there's some good talent on this team. You know, maybe they can build off of this, and you know, maybe make a push for you know getting closer to one of those wild card spots. I never thought of them as a playoff team. I yeah. thought maybe they would rise a little higher in the rankings, but I think people vastly underestimated the loss of Ryan Getzlaff, the loss of Hampus mm-hmm. Lindholm, Ricard Raquel, Josh Manson. And, you know, did I think they would be bottom of the league? No, I did not. Uh, but it's certainly, you know, Pat Verbeek said it himself recently this season. He said, hey, listen, you look back at the teams that have won cups and all of them have high draft lottery mm-hmm. picks. All of them have top three picks. And you never want to tank. Like, players aren't going into the locker room. This is their job. This yeah. is their livelihood. They're not going into tank. But if you have an opportunity to get one of those ta- – to get a big name like a Connor Bedard, you know, obviously you're not going to turn away from it. So I think at this point, I think a lot of the fan base, it's taken a little bit of time. But m- majority of them, I think, now are bought in on the tank at this point. And not saying you go into games, you know, hoping they lose. But, you know, it, hey. I think the worst case scenario, honestly, is the loser point where mm-hmm. like, hey, we could have just lost and not gained, <laughs> not gained, you know, kind of solidified our chances in the Bedard race. Or, you know, you get excited for those two point wins. But, you know, the loser point is obviously worst case scenario, given it is so tight between the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. But I think it's been a good transitional year, a good growing year for the Ducks in the sense of. You know, Trevor Zegers is really going through a lot of growing pains, as we've seen a lot in the media, you know, this season. There's no captain right now, so it's giving a lot of, uh, you know, time for these young guys to really step up and say, hey, who of this young core is going to lead this team through this rebuild and through, you know, this next era of Ducks hockey? For me, that guy is Troy Terry, personally. That would be my pick. I think he's been outstanding Mm -hmm. this year, and there's a reason he was the Ducks pick for for the All-Star game. I just think he has a very a Ryan Getzlaff kind of air about him, so which makes sense because I guess they were well, they were line mates last year, but also <laughs> kind of took him under his his wing as well. But also some transition with goaltending. I mean, John Gibson has since found a second wind. Uh, it seems as though, you know, I think there were trade rumors yeah. that came around maybe about two weeks before the trade deadline. And he just kind of amped up and said, "All right, <laughs> time to put on a show." But he's played outstanding and you've also got Lukash Dostal who's down in the AHL this year but has you know is spending the rest of the season up with the Ducks and that seems to be a solid tandem that'll start next season so um, even though the season probably didn't go as well as some Ducks fans might have hoped the future is very bright. Now this is a market that obviously got propped up by their cup run in 03 and then winning it in 07 uh, but it's it was trips to the conference final but never getting over that hump to maybe get back to a second Stanley Cup. Uh, would What would Connor Bedard potentially mean to a market like Anaheim? I mean, he'd meet everything. He's a superstar. I mean, the last time we've had a player of that caliber, I would say, with all due respect to Trevor Zegers, he's a very exciting player. He's got a big personality. But I would put it up with Team Mussolini yeah. or a Paul Correa with the last time we've had a player that exciting. And just give him the young talent that we have – between Trevor Zegers, Mason McTavish, Jamie Drysdale, who unfortunately has spent the season injured, but mm-hmm. got got Olin Zellweger that's going to be, yep. I think, a shoe-in to come up and play with the team next year. Just so much young, exciting talent coming in, and I think he would fit in, not, not only because he and Mason McTavish are good friends, and apparently <laughs> Mason's texting him each time after the Ducks win. 
But I think this is how you grow the game. This is how you really bring a fan base back together. I mean, you look back to, you know, when the Ducks were a force to be reckoned with in the Western Conference. I mean, the Ducks, I mean, Honda Center was sold out. The playoffs were packed. It was exciting. Ducks hockey was absolutely electric. And, of course, you know, as things happen, you know, as, you know, teams go through rebuild and go through that um, roller coaster of, you know, Mm -hmm. being a franchise, you know, fans lose interest. But getting an exciting player like that, 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 <clears throat> excuse me, getting an exciting player into this yeah. franchise for the fan base would be unreal. Now we're talking with Annie O'Donnell, host of the OD on Sports podcast. Uh, yeah, I just like obviously Connor Bedard would ignite any fan base you would think and but overall like this is a good system i believe scott wheeler had is the eighth best system in the nhl it's going to get better with uh, obviously some higher draft picks added this year what would you get grade uh, pat verbeek's work up to this point he's been on the job just over a year now uh, honestly eh, well given this year it's a little bit different you know he i think came in guns ablazing last year at the deadline yeah. and you know, given that the Ducks had Bob Murray for 13 seasons, you could definitely tell there was some hesitancy to trade away the players he drafted, you know, the ones that he had known for so long and maybe saw when they were younger coming through the system. Pat Verbeek had none of that. He came in and said, I am not afraid <laughs> to trade some fan favorites. I'm not afraid to trade away your franchise players. And that he did less than two months in his tenure in there. I thought, you know, solid offseason last year. Obviously, the Frank Vetrano, uh, Rice, you know, the Strom acquisitions, Kulikov and uh, Klingberg coming in, which ended up being, you know, the only pieces traded at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. at least NHL pieces. But, you know, given – I mean, I think there was a lot of talk amongst, you know, whether it was the NHL or throughout the league, that you know, what the Ducks could do and all these players, like, adding in there that they could move out. But given what Verbeek had to work with and given the market as it was very much a seller's market this season, Mm -hmm. I thought he did all right. And, you know, it takes time to come in. And, you know, I'm sure that was the appeal of him to uh, the Samueli ownership was just that, hey, you know, rebuilds take time. You got to be patient with it. And I'm going to come in, make some moves that maybe the previous regime wasn't (laughs) really willing to. But if I would give a grade, I think so. It's early, but... I'd give a solid B. A solid B. That's all right. So uh, I don't like uh, Trevor Zegers. You know, he scored the latest magic goal. We see the Michigan, you know, we see the between the legs that he just did. Uh, what other things, you know, I know he's having a tough year and he's been getting it, uh, you know, from all ends. Of, a lot of people not liking his play of late, but like what, what, what makes this guy special? He's still such a young talent. You know, I think it's just ever, I think the big thing personality wise, he's mm-hmm. just, a dream I'm sure for a team and just content and growing the game. Yeah. I mean, he's just as a fan, he's, I mean, there's a lot of fans that don't like him, so I won't say it as if he's very <laughs> likable to fans, but just as, as ducks fans, you know, he's just a guy, big personality, very relatable just as a young guy, but I mean, just so exciting to watch. I mean, that's when you're a casual fan and you're coming in to watch hockey, you mm-hmm. want to see those yeah. incredible highlight real goals. And I, I was there last season, the home game, before they went on that road trip with uh, when they went to Buffalo and he and Sonny Milano had the alley-oop, uh, he had the wow. alley-oop assist to Sonny Milano. And I was also there the first home game back, and there were noticeably more fans in the seats for that game. And he's also, I think he kind of has an air about him that just reminds Ducks fans of Corey Perry. So I think that also makes him <laughs> a big fan favorite because that's a, 
you know, Ducks fans are still very uh, have a huge soft spot for for Corey Perry and the, the style of play he had and the way he played the game. So even though it's not very likable uh, for a lot throughout the league, it's very likable for Ducks fans. We'll park the the duck conversation uh, here. I know you're you're big on all sports, and I know uh, you, you're into the Ravens as well. Lamar Jackson, this is a messy situation, especially seeing what teams did for Deshaun Watson last year. Why does it why does it seem like teams think he's beneath them? Why teams think he's beneath them? Yeah, it's just. I, well, first, the whole entire situation to me is, I think, obviously, we're talking about a contract negotiation here. Lamar Jackson absolutely has a right to look around the league and say, hey, I'm a unanimous MVP. I've done, you know, X, Y, and Z. I have the right to demand a certain amount of number, you know, a certain number. Mm-hmm. And the Ravens are also in the right to say, hey, we're not exactly comfortable meeting that number or that long of term. It is absolutely insane to me. If you had told me, Hell, if you had told me last year or two years ago that Daniel Jones would be getting <laughs> a contract extension before Lamar Jackson, I would have told you you were absolutely nuts because I think that's abs- I still think it's absolutely ridiculous. It makes my skin crawl thinking mm-hmm. that because I'm sorry if you pick Daniel, Daniel Jones over Lamar Jackson, I I I, I don't want to talk football with you anymore because <laughs> that's just that's just ridiculous. But. No, absolutely. I mean, you, you bring up Deshaun Watson. That's absolutely. I mean, the, the, and the Cleveland Browns were willing to offer him a deal given everything he's been through before the Ravens, where an organization he has been so loyal to yep. hasn't been able to. So I, on it, I'm still praying that it works out and that they're able to come to terms. Because I think both the Ravens understand how much they need Lamar Jackson and how much he brings to that franchise and how just vital he is to that team. And frankly, they really haven't done a good job building around him to that point. Nope. I mean, Eric DaCosta came out and was, you know, ragging on his wide re- on the way he drafts yeah. wide receivers. And then you have the players coming out and saying, yo, <laughs> the strength and conditioning coach, you know, I've been healthy. I was healthy all my life until I, Got until here. I became a Baltimore <laughs> Raven. <laughs> like, it's just crazy. And, you know, so the Ravens mean, to handle that, there's a messy off season for them so far, but hopefully things start to get in line. And starting with this Lamar Jackson, this Lamar Jackson deal, I they got to get it done. They they just have to. There's no yeah. Who who? Where are you going to find somebody else? Where are no. you going to find somebody of Lamar Jackson's caliber? Exactly. The you're you're not. Yeah, you're going to be drafting a quarterback that if it's Anthony Richardson, if you want to keep the same style of player, that guy's still probably a year, two years away from actually probably playing in the NFL for sure. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. It seems like it's uh, more and more likely that's going to happen uh, maybe even as soon as uh, today or even this weekend. Uh, what is that going to do to the AFC, you think? Uh, uh, it's You know, it's really funny. I was thinking about it. And I'm like, how? I mean, I'm not really shocked. But when was the last time the New York Jets had like a solid quarterback? <laughs> Well, it might have been Brett I mean, Favre when they got him go, from Green Bay. Yeah, no, that's just, and that's even funnier that the Jets are linked to to Aaron Rodgers, where it's like you're you're more like Brett Favre than you like to admit, my yeah, guy. Yep. But I mean, yes, I think honestly, you look at that, you look at that AFC East right now. I mean, you've got Josh Allen already. I mean, I would eh, Mac Jones. I would say gave you know. I'm still I'm not sold on Mac Jones quite yet, but mm-hmm. I think you know maybe another year or two in Bill's system, he might rise a little higher. And I'm a big Tua believer. Yeah. 
I hope he gets a full year healthy mm-hmm. down in Miami. But that could be a very tough division if you put Aaron Rodgers in with already some of the young talent they have on that New York Jets team. I just, you know, you kind of look at that revolving door <laughs> that is the New York Jets and quarterback. Yep. And, I mean, poor Zach Wilson didn't la- barely lasted two seasons. I mean, Sam Darnold was there, what, three seasons at that? Mm-hmm. I mean, are they hoping that a veteran quarterback is gonna is gonna change things? I, I mean, possibly. I think I'm not. It's interesting to think about all the factors in there. That what makes the New York Jets just such a tough place to play for a quarterback, specifically a young quarterback. So maybe bring someone in like Aaron Rodgers, where hey, he's used to this. You know, he's played in Green Bay, where the Packers are life. The mm-hmm. Packers are everything. So maybe the New York media, the New York pressure will be nothing to him. But um, I hope he, you know, hey, well, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there. Annie, thank you very much for, for joining me this morning. Uh, taking, I know it's a little early out there, but thank you so much for joining me. We'll do this again soon and uh, enjoy watching the game tonight. Thanks so much, Patrick. <laughs> Thanks for having me. There you go. It's Annie O'Donnell, host of the OD on Sports podcast. You can find her on Twitter at uh, Annie O.D. Uh, what else have we got here on the Merrick show coming up? Uh, what do we got here? Uh, Pierre, uh, Elliot Friedman kicks things off at 10 o'clock. Of course, everything, uh, from hockey Night in Canada and 32 thoughts, 1035 Craig Morgan from, uh, Phoenix sports. Uh, one of the best covering the Arizona coyotes at 11 o'clock. Arda O'Cal from ESPN, the NHL on ESPN will join the show and 1135 trip Tracy hurricanes analyst as the hurricanes are an absolute wagon. Uh, that is uh, that is the coming up next here on the Jeff on the Sports Nine Nine Sixty. That's the Merrick Show. Friedman, Craig Morgan, Art Ocal, and Trip Tracy. It is a Calgary Flames game day. Uh, they'll be welcoming the uh, Anaheim Ducks to the Scotiabank Saddle Dome tonight, seven o'clock start. Uh, we'll be on the air at six o'clock with uh, Flames warm up with Pat and Lubo. The Flames are coming off that one nothing shootout win in on Tuesday, despite despite being outshot forty to sixteen. That minus fourteen shot differential was their worst of the season. Oddly enough, though, the Flames are 2-1 and one this year when being outshot by at least 10. And when they outshoot their opponent by at least 10, no team in NHL history has lost more games in a season. The Flames have lost 18 games this year when outshooting an opponent by 10 or more shots. Woof! Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's not, not a great, but that's just the way it goes right now with the puck lock. Hopefully that turns against uh, a leaky Anaheim Ducks defense. Uh, they see they have their eyes set on obviously what what's going to happen in uh, here within a few weeks with the draft lottery. But again, these are two points that the Flames cannot let slip away. We've seen it too many times this year. Games against Chicago, games against Detroit, teams below them in the standings get them. And I don't know what the problem is. I just don't know why the Flames just have to play down to their competition. It's just not working. But hopefully with Jacob Markstrom and him finding him a new some steadiness in between the pipes right now. Uh, I think it gives Flames fans a little bit more confidence. I know it's the Anaheim Ducks, but that Sunday game, that's the one I'm circling for. And I think a lot of Flames fans are circling. They have not played the Ottawa Senators all that well over the last three, four years right now. So that game on Sunday, just like tonight, is going to be massive for the Calgary Flames, who are 29, 23, and 13. Of course, four points back of that final wild card spot. They are chasing the Winnipeg Jets, who head out on the on a three-game road trip here, starting tomorrow, taking on the Florida Panthers, then they're into Tampa Bay, and then taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. So this is a chance, maybe, for the Calgary Flames to potentially tie the Winnipeg Jets before next week. Who knows? But it starts tonight with the Ducks 
and the Flames. Uh, for everyone involved today, Eric Francis for stepping in, uh, filling in for Maddie, for Alex Brody, uh, for all our guests, uh, of course, Adam Stanley, uh, Andrew Patterson, and Annie O'Donnell. They all join us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using that same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. And, and some news is coming across over the last uh, half hour or so as the uh, Montreal Alouettes uh, do have a new owner. They are no longer under the control of the CFL. Pierre-Carl Pelado uh, has acquired the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, he's, a, you know, he's a local guy, obviously, and uh, he cares passionately about football in the province of Quebec. I'm sure the CFL and Randy Ambrosi are doing... Uh, they're jumping. They're dancing right now that they know they don't have to worry about controlling the Montreal Alouettes this year and that the Alouettes have new ownership as, uh, as we still... Um, you know, we want to get some strength going in the CFL, and it's good to have another new owner in the league. Hopefully this one lasts a little bit longer. Uh, again, for everyone involved today, Alex Brody, I'm Patrick Dumas. This has been The Big Show. We'll be back Monday. Talk to you then. Bye.